0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, turn with me to Galatians chapter five. We're gonna le- read to start with verse number 16. It's Galatians 5, 16. I want to uh, remind you that uh, three weeks ago, I guess, I started this series on three important things that people who were indwelt by the Spirit are to be mindful of. Three important things that we should know and have working in our lives. And uh, it's kind of a long title, isn't it, Kendra? I don't know how you title that. <laughs> but uh, anyway... Uh, We talked about the fact that there's two fundamental works of the Spirit in the life of the believer. Most Christians don't understand it. Most Christians uh, think that the Holy Spirit is one-dimensional, that there's just one, not in his person, but in his ministry to believers, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is sort of one-dimensional. He just is, you know, he indwells us and he helps us. Uh, and that's true, but there's more to that. There's the spirit within in which he does indwell us and help us, but there's also the Holy Spirit upon. When, and we, we refer to that as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You remember that the when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended uh, down from heaven and and rested upon him. Well, Jesus already had the Holy Spirit in him, but this was an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him for service. Jesus said to the disciples later, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, that's what happened to Jesus. When the Holy Spirit descended upon him and rested upon him, now John saw the spirit embolized uh, in, in, uh, in the shape of a dove We know that the Holy Spirit's not a dove. That was just a representation of his presence. But the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the Bible says that that right after that, that Jesus returned to Jerusalem in the power of the Spirit. Well, that's something he hadn't had before. I said, that's something he hadn't had before. He was the Son of God, but he didn't have that power in his life because though he was the Son of God, he laid aside all of his uh, heavenly and divine uh, power powers and and prerogatives as God and just became a man and and lived among us. Well, he had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit with power in order to go out about doing powerful things. Well, by the same token, we have to be anointed with power after we're indwelt with the spirit. We have to have the spirit come upon us in the baptism of the Holy Spirit to anoint us with power that we will go out and be effective witnesses for him. Amen. So anyway, that's, that's the context. But what I've said before was, and this is the thing that I'm really emphasizing, I'm not emphasizing the power uh, side uh, at all in this series. I'm, in, I'm emphasizing the indwelt side, where we're indwelt by the Spirit. And Spirit-filled people, people who've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, tend to, tend to completely focus on on the Holy Spirit with on with it I mean upon us and and we want to take advantage of his power and operate in power be full of power see miracles signs and wonders and you know operate in the supernatural but sometimes we neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us which is different in it's the same Holy Spirit but it's different in purpose it's like an illustration I've used many times. I used to have an in-ground swimming pool. It had a shallow end and a deep end. Well, it, that, that simply means that my point is, it's all the same water. The water circulated through that pool. I had a, a circulation pump and the water was the same all through it, but there was one end that there was more water than there was in the other end. Well, you could do things in the deep end that you couldn't do in the shallow end, but you could do things in the shallow end you couldn't do in the deep end. Amen. Yeah, the deep end was nice for diving and, you know, and going under and, uh, you know, dr- jumping off the diving board. I had a diving board. We'd dive off of that, you know, going down to the bottom and getting things that the kids threw in the bottom of the pool. You know, all that's fun. But, you know, other games and things, you can only do in the shallow end. Well, in the, in, in the, in the Holy Spirit, there's not a deep end and a shallow end. The indwelling of the Spirit's not shallow, it's just, that's just a, a point of, of, of comparison. Uh, all the things of God are deep. But there's simply more water in the baptism of the Holy Spirit than there is in, in, in being indwelt by the Spirit. It's the same Spirit, just more of it. But still, there's a lot we need to be aware of as being indwelt by the Spirit, take advantage of His living on the inside of us. So those are the things that uh, we've been talking about here. We talked about, first of all, that of uh, three things. Const, number one, constant renewals of the Holy Spirit are necessary in our lives. We talked about that. If you weren't here to hear these, you can go online. I don't have time to go back again through all of it today. Go online. You can check out, you know, those, those earlier messages starting three weeks ago. And then uh, uh, we skipped a week. And then uh, last week we talked about, I don't know, I guess I've ministered three times. I lose track of the weeks here. My, my notes aren't very good on dates. <laughs> Sometimes I'll write down, I'm going to minister such and such today, and then I don't do it. <laughs> and then my notes are wrong. Anyway, uh, the second thing we talked about was uh, that, uh, yeah, walking in the Spirit. That's where, that's where we're at today. We got, we, we finished up uh, on renewals of the Spirit. And then we started talking about walking in the Spirit. And we talked about the fact, this was last week, we talked about the fact that uh, uh, we need to walk in the Spirit we're not supposed to be so earthly-minded that we're no heavenly good, right. Amen. Uh, we are to be, in, but we are to be uh, spiritually-minded. Now, when I talk about being spiritually-minded, that doesn't mean we're 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 to try to act to be, act spiritual. Have you ever been around somebody who tried to act spiritual? That's uh, phony. It's not real. True, true spirituality is mostly a private thing. Doesn't feel the need to impress anybody. When I, I'll take a little side journey here. When I was young, in the Lord, and had first been exposed to Kenneth Hagin's writings, there was a narrative about Brother Hagin. There was some, this was said about him, and I heard it many times over quite a few years. And the saying went something like this: I'd heard it from different people that Brother Hagin, you know, he because he, he he was he was legendary. Because he had so many ex- exploits in God, I mean, he had so many things that happened in his ministry—supernatural things that would just amaze, you know. And uh, but the 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 uh, the narrative went like this: that Brother Hagen was so in the spirit that sometimes would people would people said this happened to them, and they said, you know, I knew so and so. He said he went up and talked to Brother Hagen, and Brother Hagen just kind of looking off you know like he's looking out into another world you know or his eyes looked like he could just look right through you and he said brother hagan would just turn around and walk off and just leave him standing there in mid-sentence you know he was just so far out in the spirit you know what you know what was going on i i, I found out later i was around him a little bit and i found out this very often people came up to him and tried to be spiritual and they would ask real spiritual questions that you can tell when something isn't real. Some they they were trying to impress him instead of just come up and say, hey brother, hey Hagin, Hagen, how you doing? Good to see you, you know. They thought that would have been too natural, you know. So they they'd get real spiritual acting and they'd ask these real convoluted questions. And Brother Hagin would just, he said, he, he, I found out this later, he hated that. And he would just turn around and walk off and leave those people. But if you talk to him just like a normal person, he'd engage you. He'd talk to you, talk about the weather, talk about other things. But he didn't put up with that phoniness. So being spiritual isn't being, you know, super, you know, floating around. Or always trying to be wise in everything you say. You know, not every conversation needs a lot of wisdom. Amen. Hallelujah. So we talked about this last week. To walk in the Spirit is to first of all walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Go to Galatians chapter 5. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another and you cannot do uh, the things that you wish. But if you are led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He lists all of those. He said, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So in this context, you can see walking in the spirit involves uh, walking in the fruit of the spirit. So somebody that walks in the spirit is not somebody that walks around sort of in a, with their head in the cloud, you know, like in a dream world or something. No, they just live with love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. They just have those things developed in their life. That's walking in the spirit, amen. Secondly, we found out to walk in the spirit is to live the godly life because he said, these are the works of the flesh are evident. And he said, we're not supposed to walk in the flesh. Amen. So that's, that's kind of nuanced. That's the sort of, am I echoing in here? Can somebody fix that? Uh, that's the, the second part is sort of a nuanced part of, of the first one. But now the third one I want to get to today. To walk in the Spirit is to be led by the Spirit. Notice it says walk in the Spirit, verse 16, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, To walk in the Spirit is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, this involves being sensitive to the subtle impressions of the Holy Spirit in your daily walk. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Verse number 12, we'll we'll notice here that there's some similar language to what was, uh, we read over in the fifth chapter of Galatians. Verse number 12 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh or to walk according to the flesh. Walking according to the flesh is the opposite of walking in the Spirit. He said, We are debtors, not to the flesh, live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. But you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Father himself, or rather the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, there are different ways the Holy Spirit leads us and speaks to us, but the most prominent way. The most number one way, and I've taught on this many times, I'm just going to hit it lightly here. The most prominent way is the inward witness of the Spirit. Too many Christians are waiting for something spectacular. They're waiting for God to do something just so grand, just interrupt their world, just step in their world with some kind of profound word, you know, so that it stops them in their track and they say, who said, oh, God's talking to me. They're waiting for something like that. That's not the normal way God speaks. He speaks by an inward witness. Amen. That inward witness is just an inward intuition and it can be very subtle. The more you practice listening and Being sensitive to the inward witness, the more recognizable it becomes and the more you will recognize it. But if you're not disciplined and you're not in the habit of listening on the inside and following those promptings of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and you'll never even know it. Because the Spirit is trying to lead us all the time. He's always trying to lead us. He never not, there's never a situation in life that the Holy Spirit's not trying to help you with. He is our helper. But if we're not conscious of him, if we haven't taken the time to develop that sensitivity of heart, those, those promptings and, and leadings will go unnoticed. Amen. So when I'm talking about being sensitive to the subtle impressions of the Spirit in your daily life, I'm talking about in your everyday uh, things that you do at work. You know, uh, you can be in the office or you can be in the plant or you can be out, you know, working on your job. And the Holy Spirit will give you impressions in all of those arenas about how to do things, how to accomplish things. Your job. When others are running around where you work or in your profession and they're sort of pulling their hair out and they're all aggravated and things aren't working, they don't know what to do. If you're, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you'll get direction on those things. God wants us to live that way. If, you, if you're in school, if you're in high school or in, in college and the, the Holy Spirit will give impressions to you, you don't have to, you don't have to try to walk around being weird but you can keep your antenna up. Do you understand what I mean by that? We don't actually have antenna, but I'm just saying we can, we can keep our spiritual antenna up. And that simply means in, in all of your interaction, kids, when in all of your interaction with other people at school, things are happening, always keep your, your, your heart alert to what, what, what would the Lord have me do? How would he have me to react to this person? Now, not necessarily if somebody's trying to assault you or attack you or criticize you, but just in, in in sitting next to someone in class and maybe they're struggling over an assignment or they don't understand something. Maybe they've been bullied or something's happened. Just, you know, instead of just being naturally minded, look to the inward man. The inward man will give you something to say to that person. That though it might not be earth shattering, it may be some little something, it can absolutely influence that person, affect them, change their life. It can bring light in it to you. It might seem like a little thing. The Holy Spirit just said, you you just felt just sort of prompted. We'll act this way, say this. It can be transformative for that other person. So in our everyday lives, we can develop a sensitivity and a quickness to respond to those inner promptings, amen? Now the Holy Spirit will lead you in line with the Word even before you know the Word. In, the, in areas that you don't, you haven't even seen, you haven't even gotten revelation in the Word yet, on some, the Holy Spirit will lead you in line with that. Amen. Something that we don't uh, realize sometimes is that the early church didn't have the written Word like we have. You know, the printing press wasn't... Uh, uh, Invented till what century was that? Huh? Come on, you're mumbling. Someone yeah. some of you aren't really sure, so you're just kind of throwing out. Is the 16th century? Huh? So the 17th century? Yeah, somewhere somewhere around there. Well, you know, that means for centuries, believers didn't have the Bible in their hand. Jews went to the synagogue. And the scripture was written on, on uh, parchment in the synagogue, and it was read. Well, uh, they, they, when, they came, when believers came to church, they didn't they weren't going to the synagogue anymore. And so the pastors of the churches taught what they knew. and then there were letters and gospels that began letters, the epistles first to be, first began to be circulated in the church, and later the gospels. But these things began to be circulated in the church. But again, they didn't, have, they didn't have their own copies. Paul would write his letters to the churches and he would send them out. And I'm guessing some people took the time to, to copy them, but then those copies would be distributed to other churches. So you went to church on Sunday and somebody would read to you what Paul said. But you know, m- many of us are, are familiar with memorizing scripture. We have scriptures that we meditate on. Anybody meditate in the scripture? Have some scriptures that you've memorized by meditating it, you know you had to read them. Most of us didn't memorize scriptures and really get them in us just because you heard me or heard somebody else preach it. You opened the Bible and and looked at it and read it. Well, they couldn't do that. And they didn't have tape recorders, so they couldn't listen to it over and over and over and over and over. They'd have tape recorders, they didn't have CD players or they didn't have uh, uh, USB players, they didn't have computers, so they couldn't, you know, listen to it. They had to be led by the Spirit. They were more dependent on the Holy Spirit than we are. Not not, Not more than we should be, but more than we are. Let me turn that around. We should be more dependent upon the Holy Spirit than we are. They didn't have the word. They might have, they come to church and their pastor, their elder, their bishop might have said something, you know, read something that Paul said the next week. What, what did he say? How, how, how did that go? They had to, for revelation, they had to depend on the inward man, the Holy Spirit in their inward man. Well, that's still valuable today. <laughs> look at look at this passage. You're right here in the, four, in the 16th verse. This is something you've probably never noticed. Maybe you have, but I didn't until last, last week. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We always stop right there. I always did. The next verse in verse 17 says, And. And. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And I've I've said this many times in all the years pastoring. I said, now, this is how the Spirit fundamentally uh, leads us. Not just about our sonship, but about everything. But notice what it says here. It lists some of these other things. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children. And he bears witness that if children, then heirs. You see that he bears witness with us that we are spirit, but he will further bear witness that if we're children that, Hey, wait a minute. See, I would heard all my life that I, you know, I'm a child of God. I, I grew up in church and, you know, Christians would talk about being, you know, we're the children of God. We're God's children, you know, and, uh, but when I first got back into fellowship with the Lord, as I said last week, I wasn't in church when I got back into fellowship with the Lord. Nobody witnessed to me. I was alone in a, in a motel room and I was disturbed and hungry and, and, and uh, just needed help. I began to cry out to God and he revealed himself to me and nobody was there to help me. I didn't have any mentors, didn't have any counselors, didn't have anybody teach me, wasn't going to church like I said. And now listen, if you're, if you're here and you're thinking, that's right, pastor, that's me. I, I, I don't need to go to church. I'm like you were, you know, I, I just get, I get my instruction from God. He teaches me everything. And I, wait a minute. It wasn't just a few weeks when, until the Lord led me to start going back to church. I think I, I think I was, was uh, sent to Dunedin, Florida in July of 72. And I was there a few weeks and then. Over in sometime in August, I was then sent to Brooksville. And uh, and so when I got to Brooksville, I told the story how we used to, you know, sell sell drugs out of my motel room, and we'd go into the I had a black friend that was I was rooming with, who was staying in the same motel with me, and I met him, he was from Jacksonville, and the other people weren't from Jacksonville. You remember BJ Hunter or LJ Hunter that lived around the corner from us we used to go to his house and smoke pot <laughs> He was there he had been transferred there I was there and then this this black man that I met and so this black man and I we we started rooming together and we came up with this plan that we would sell marijuana So uh, I'd stay in the car and he would go and he would sell the marijuana you know on the street and people would you know they'd respond to him so we had this thing going and that was in September that I probably late September, first of October, somewhere in there. I don't have the dates. I got back in the fellowship of the Lord and probably by September, October, probably by November, I knew I can't live this way by myself. I can't do it. I can't do it. I have got to be around other believers. So if you're thinking it's okay for you to receive your revelation and just stay at home, that's not going to last. You're going to be directed to go to church. Amen. But before I got to church, I, I had never heard the message of faith. I had never heard the authority of the believer. I didn't know that existed. But as I was in prayer and just had my my Bible and nobody to teach me, the Lord began to reveal himself to me. And I I can't really explain it now, but I had a sense, I couldn't put it in the words, but I had a sense that something, I had been saved when I was a child, so I just got back into fellowship with the Lord. So I had experienced salvation. I experienced the peace of God. But... The Holy Spirit was beginning to show me, and I didn't understand it, that this was different. I sensed that something had been imparted to me that would cause me to live a victorious life. And I wasn't even sure what that meant. I later found out that it was eternal life. Eternal life had sprung up again on the inside of me. And I I didn't know that. I grew up knowing that when you get saved, you receive eternal life. I thought eternal life was just to live forever in heaven. That was eternal life. I didn't know, I hadn't read the Bible that eternal life is the very life and nature of God. Well, when I got back in the fellowship with the Lord, as I just spent time in my motel room by myself, just, I'd read my Bible and I'd pray. And I'd, mostly, I really wasn't praying as so much as I was just worshiping. I was so glad that sin was gone and I was free. And I would just spend every evening because I was out of town, you know, and, and so I wasn't, you know, to have my wife and child, you know, to, to interrupt my time with the Lord. And I would just... <laughs> well, life does interrupt you, you know. Well, I was I was segregated. And I could spend all my time in God's presence just worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. And I had the sense that something had come into me. Our denomination that I grew up in, we majored. Now, this wasn't our doctrine, but in practice, we majored on backsliding. I mean, we all backslid. You get saved, and then you backslide, and you get saved again, and you backslide. Of course, you never get saved again. You just get back in the fellowship of the Lord, but we didn't know that. we get saved, and we'd backslide. And we get saved, and we'd backslide. And we get saved, and we'd backslide. And our intentions were real good, but it usually didn't last very long. because so we didn't know the word. When this happened to me in Brooksville, I suddenly had a sense that I will never be defeated in life again. I'll never be defeated. Well, what was was happening? I I was beginning to find out if children, then also heirs. And further revelation, if heirs, not just anybody's heirs, heirs of God. Is that what the text said? Heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs. I didn't know yet that I was a joint, equal, sharing heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. What, a, what an amazing thought. I'm not just an heir. I'm not just anybody's heir. I'm an heir of God. Yeah. Now, if you suddenly think of some wealthy person, just some wealthy person that, that maybe you can think of that, you know, that's admirable. If, if you suddenly found out, somebody let you know that, come to find out you were some distant kin of this person and he had left you $10 million, it changed your life. Some of you, we'd never see you again anyway. <laughs> Wouldn't be good for everybody. But I found out that I had the sense, I didn't really understand the revelation of it, but I had the sense that I, I had the, I, I'm an heir of God. I had, the, I had the leading without the understanding. Does that make any sense? And, and not just an heir of God, but a joint heir with Christ. How can I ever be defeated again if I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ? See, that revelation uh, was in my heart, but I didn't see it in the Word. When I started going back to church, an old friend of mine from school was in that church. He hadn't been in that church before. And as a matter of fact, he'd never went to church before. And I started going back to that church I was was in before I backslid, and, and Ralph was there, and he gave me a copy of a Kenneth Hagin book. And I don't remember if it was on faith or the authority of the believer, one of those two. But when I read it, I realized, oh, that's what that is. That's what I have on the inside of me. I now know how to be victorious. I'll never be defeated again. I'll never lose out again. I'm gonna live for God victoriously and triumphantly all the rest of my life. The Holy Spirit will lead you in line with the word before you know the word. Like I said. The early church didn't have the word to take home with them. They had to depend on the spirit. More than we do. We should. But they had to. Amen. I I told you last week. I didn't know the love of God had been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. But I was going to this church. And you know. I talked a little bit last week about being, you know, a, 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 a rebel and a hippie. And we were now, today, people don't look down so much on people being weirdness because there's just so much weirdness in this world. But then to look like I looked and my friends looked, we would, we would walk down the sidewalk in, in, a, in Jacksonville and people would drive by and, and curse at us. Call us names, hey hippies! You filthy hippies! Get a take a bath, you filthy hippies! And just cuss at us. And sometimes I didn't have anybody throw things at me, but some of my friends had people throw stuff at them. Well, I started going back to this church, and the older some of the older men in the church would, good-naturedly but sort of with an edge, they would criticize the way we looked. And they say things like, hey, you guys, you come in here next Sunday. I'm bringing my razor and we're going to trade some of you boys out, you know. Ha, 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 ha. And they were, they were being funny, but at the same time, you, you, there was an edge to it. They really didn't like it. And I could have very easily taken, you know, offense at that. But I couldn't expect, for some reason, I just thought it was wonderful these guys, we just hug each other and they start making fun of us and we just hug them and laugh and they start laughing, we'd start laughing and we got along great because the love of God, I didn't, nobody had told me the love of God was shed abroad in my heart. Instead of being offended, I just loved them. Praise the Lord. I, I couldn't understand it myself. Later I found out why. Because we have, church, listen, because we have the written word, Too often, we think that's all we need. I'm going to say that again. Because we have the written word too often, we think that's all we need. And that results in a lopsided Christian walk. Yes, thank God for the word. We need the word, all right. But we need to depend upon the Holy Spirit to help us and enlighten us with the word. Amen? And then, uh, not only that, as far as being led by the Spirit... Uh, Turn over with me to the 103rd, 103rd Psalm. Psalm 103. Oh my goodness. Such a valuable, valuable thing. Psalm 103. We all know this Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Now notice verse 4. Who who redeems your life from destruction. Walking in the spirit. Means to to be led by the Holy Spirit. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit. He will redeem our life from destruction. To, To enjoy this protection from harm. God has given us his spirit to sanctify or separate us from things that would rob our peace, put us in danger, or destroy our health. Being led by the Holy Spirit will will, uh, save us from a lot of trouble and and heartache in life. Just being led by the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit, again, is not to walk in a a, make-believe world but it's just simply be listening to the spirit. He'll protect you from a lot of harm. Steve mentioned this morning that both pastor and I, Ansel and I both have been delivered from cancer. That came as a direct result of listening to the Holy Spirit. Listen, I had a witness in 1996, I had a witness in my spirit that I needed to go to the doctor and have a a, a full physical exam because at that time, you know, I wasn't doing that every year. I thought it was because of my family history. I had a lot of, uh, of heart disease in my family history, so I thought that's what it was. So I went and had a, a physical exam, and I won't go into all the details here. God miraculously uncovered a cancer that they shouldn't have even found. But it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been led by the Spirit. In 2015, more recently, in 2015, actually in 2014, towards the end of the year, I had a sense that I needed to go and, and to a cardiologist and get a, a heart workup. Now, again, I, di- I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel anything going on with my heart. I didn't, I, wouldn't think, I didn't honestly think anything was wrong with me. But I'd had a couple of friends that had had uh, issues with the heart. And only a heart catheterization revealed it. Both of these friends that we had had stress tests done and the stress test showed that their heart was healthy. Then they had a heart cath done and they found out they had some serious blockages. It didn't show up with the, with the stress, test, stress test. So I knew in my heart, I need to have a, a, a heart cath. But I also knew that doctors don't just, that's not their first test they're gonna run. They're gonna put you through the other test and if you pass the stress test, they're gonna say, well, you don't need anything else. So, I knew I was going to have a problem convincing a cardiologist to give me a heart cath. But I made an appointment because I was led by the Spirit. I made an appointment to have a consult. You have to consult with them first. And so I went in and, and, and uh, or had this, excuse me, had this uh, appointment scheduled for before I went skiing. I was going skiing in February of 2015. I had scheduled this meeting with the cardiologist before the skiing trip, but then at the last minute, they canceled it and put it off until March. So we went skiing. So we're out there skiing and I was just so tired. I was just, I had not really experienced that. I was just tired. Won't go into all that, but I just felt exhausted. And it never occurred to me that I had anything wrong with my heart. I just thought I was out of shape. So I got home and I said, you know, when I get home, I'm going to get back on my elliptical and I'm going to start working out again. I'm going to, you know, kick my butt back in you know, gear and get healthy again, you know. And uh, so we get home. The next day I started having chest pains. So I thought, well, this is so mild. I mean, it's almost, just almost, you can't even hardly feel it. It's so mild, but, you know, I, again, I was led by the Spirit. It been easily, they said on the, you know, they tell you to rate your pain. From a scale of 1 to 10, I said, you know, it's maybe a 2, but it's more like probably a 1. You know, I don't even know how to rate it. I could have very easily ignored it, but I had a witness in my spirit. So I went down here to the EMT, and they said, no, you got something going on to take me to the hospital. And I got a heart cath. The doctor came in. He said, "I don't." the cardiologist said, I, you don't need a heart cath. He said, you've, you, you really need a stress test, but you've been skiing for a week. That is a stress test. So you really don't even need a stress test. He said, I don't think this is related to your heart. The ER doctor, the cardiologist wrote me off, you don't need any tests. The ER doctor said, I think you're having a heart attack and you're getting a, a heart cath. So he scheduled it so that another doctor from that cardiology team came in. My heart, my ACE, my, what's that? L-A-D. If you medical people know, that's the the artery that provides blood to the front of your heart. It's also known as the widow maker. When that clamps up, you usually just fall dead. My my LAD was 99% blocked. And the cardiologist said to the nurse that was working on the team, that, that when he was doing the heart cath, he said, this man is hanging on by a thread. Friend, I wasn't hanging on by a thread. I was hanging on by the grace of God, by the power of God, by the mercy of God. There weren't any threads involved. <laughs> but the point is, I, was, I, am conv- I am absolutely convinced that if I had not followed the Holy Spirit's leading in the fall and, and followed up with that and, and got an appointment, they canceled the appointment, but I had done what I could do. I can't prove it, but I will always believe because of the nature of, of how bad off I was. If I hadn't have followed this leading of the Spirit, I'm not sure, I'll put it that way, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit, the, that God could have protected me and saved my life if I had disobeyed the leading of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will protect us, but we have to follow His leading. Those little, Those little leadings that... It are so easy to just dismiss. Just, well, you know, that's just a weird feeling. I, you know, I don't need, we're so busy. We don't have time for this. But because I was led by the Spirit, God was able to alert some people in this church to pray for me. I know, I see Wayne back there. He said, Wayne said he saw a picture of me that I posted online. We were in Leadville, Colorado. We had taken a day off to rest and we'd gone over to Leadville and we were in a little restaurant and I'd taken a picture or Christy, I think, took a picture of all of us sitting around this table. And Wayne told me that when he saw that picture, he said, I didn't look right. And he started praying for me. I've looked at that picture many times since then. and I think I looked fine. <laughs> I had a smile on my face. I didn't look like I was stressed. I'm looking, I'm saying, what? How could Wayne think there was something showed? That was the Holy Ghost. And where is Mark? Is that, where's Mark? Where's Mark Bauer? There he is over there. Mark had a dream one night when we were in Colorado. He dreamed that I died on that ski trail while I was out there. And it woke him up. And so, you know, he didn't spend the night distressing over it. He just prayed prayed for me and I guess went back to sleep. Well, see, because I was yielding to the Spirit the best I knew how, he was able to get some other people to help me. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of God. Glory to God. He will redeem our life from destruction. Praise the Lord. Well, in order for that to happen, like I said, we have to to follow his leading. And thank God we can. Amen? So to to walk in the Spirit is to depend on the, the, the renewals of the Spirit And it requires walking in the Spirit, which again is not walking fruity, being weird, just means listening to the Holy Ghost, developing character in your life, praying in the Spirit. Students, you can pray in the Spirit when you leave classroom and you're going to another class, that little brief few minutes in the hallway, you're passing people, you know, not really having a conversation. Just pray in the Spirit for a few, just a few minutes. Just do that. It'll sharpen you. It'll sharpen you, it'll keep you aware of God's presence in your life. And will make it a whole lot easier for the Holy Spirit to help you, amen? Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us, and caring for us. We thank you for, for the times we didn't know in the natural, but you alerted us by the inward witness. And you, and you prompted us to take action prompted us to to not do a particular thing, not go to a particular place. To take some other action that didn't seem to be required as far as our natural thinking was concerned. But we listened and you protected our lives. Many of us are here today because of that. We would have died young, but you protected us, Father. Thank you for the helper. Oh, thank you for the helper. Thank you for the helper. Blessed Holy Spirit, our helper. Glory to God. Father, help us to walk in the Spirit more, to be more spiritually minded than we have been, to keep our lives pure, to let godly character to develop develop in our lives. Have the fruit of the Spirit working in our lives, Lord and it takes effort it takes effort to do that father if we'll if we'll do those things depend upon your spirit to help us to quicken us to strengthen us to refresh us oh glory to god our lives here can be fruitful until we live to a ripe old age should jesus return we could all live a successful victorious long life glory to god You'll get the glory and the honor for it, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I'm so little qualified in myself and my natural ability. I would have made a mess of my life going my way and doing things the way I want them done. But I thank you, Father, that you've helped me. You've helped me be led by your Spirit. You've protected me over and over, delivered me over and over, guided me, revealed yourself to me over and over and over again. Father, it's just your grace. We stand by grace. We don't stand by any merit of our own. We stand by grace. For there's nothing we have in you that wasn't given to us. We don't have anything. We haven't done anything good that wasn't given to us. And we're grateful, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.